Luke chapter 17, verse 20 to 25. Luke 17, 20 to 25. Asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was to come, Jesus gave them this answer. The coming of the kingdom of God does not admit of observation, and there will be no one to say, Look here, look there, for you must know the kingdom of God is among you. He said to the disciples, A time will come when you will long to see how how you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man and will not see it. They will say to you, Look there or look here. Make no move. Do not set off in pursuit, for as the lightning flashing from one part of heaven lights up the other, so will the Son of Man when his day comes. But first, he must suffer grievously and be rejected by this generation. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the Pharisees asked Jesus about when the kingdom of God was to come. And it is clear from their question that they did not understand what the kingdom of God is or what the concept of the kingdom of God is all about. That is why Jesus' response corrects them. For them, they thought the kingdom of God was something that is going to be seen. That is something tangible that people are going to point and say, this is the kingdom of God, that is the kingdom of God. But Jesus is telling them that no, the kingdom of God is not something that is coming as if um, it's, it's supposed to be seen or it's going to be seen. Where somebody say, look here or look there, it, here it is. But Jesus says that the kingdom of God, he says you must know, he tells them that you must know the kingdom of God is among you. Friends, there is no kingdom without a king. And there is no king without a kingdom. And Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God. So Jesus tells them, you must know. Why must they know or how must they know? The king of the kingdom of God was sitting right before them or was standing right in front of them and yet they didn't know. And that is why Jesus is telling them, you must know. The king is in your midst. The king of the kingdom is in your midst. And where the king is, there is his kingdom. And friends, Jesus was educating them and told them that they must know that he, the king of the kingdom of God, is present with them. In other words, Jesus was even referring to the fact that he is God amongst them. He says the kingdom of God is among you. And they didn't recognize it. And that is why to confirm that the kingdom of God is not about something to be seen and, and be pointed to here and there, in Romans 14 verse 17, St. Paul will tell us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of food and drink. Food and drink represents physical things. They are physical things we can see, physical things. Food and drink. But it says the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says that you must know. 
And it's true, when you have the kingdom of God within you, or when you experience the kingdom of God, no one will tell you, you will know. When you experience the righteousness of Christ, when you experience the peace of Christ, when you experience the joy of Christ in the Holy Spirit, you will know. Friends, the kingdom of God is real. The peace of Christ, the joy of the Lord, the righteousness of Christ is real. And so we have been made righteous in Christ Jesus. When we come to this revelation and accept and appropriate what Jesus has done for us on the cross, indeed we are righteous. We have been justified by Christ. We have been made righteous by Christ. Romans chapter 5. Friends, Jesus justified us when he said it is finished, when he died for us. Friends, and we experience his peace and his joy in the Holy Spirit when we are in union with him, when we allow Jesus to take his rightful place in our hearts and in our lives. We experience peace, true peace, true joy. The peace that indeed the world cannot give. That's what Jesus says. That is what the kingdom of God is all about. And Jesus tells them that the kingdom of God is among you. The presence of Jesus. The kingdom of God means the reign of God. The presence of God. So Jesus did not miss words when he told them the kingdom of God is among you. If the kingdom of God refers to the presence of God, the reign of God, the rule of God, and Jesus was right there with them, was present with them, indeed it means that they must have known, they should have known, and indeed that the kingdom of God is among them. The presence of Jesus is the presence of the kingdom of heaven. The presence of Jesus is the presence of the kingdom of God. Friends, and it's interesting, Jesus had time to educate the Pharisees who were opposing him, who were against him. It means that when it comes to the kingdom of God, we must not have physical enemies. You know, the Pharisees were actually enemies of Christ. They were looking for ways and means to plot and kill him. And in fact, finally, they, they succeeded anyway. But little did they know that they were only working for our salvation, so to speak. But friends, Jesus interacting with them tells us that when it comes to salvation, we must forget of any physical barrier amongst us. There is no enmity between us when it comes to salvation. We must not hate people and despise them to the extent that when they ask us questions regarding salvation or when we know that they don't have Christ, we deny them Christ. So even the enemies of Jesus came to approach him on the kingdom of God, issues on salvation, and Jesus reached out to them. Jesus is teaching us and confirming his own teaching that says he tells us to love our enemies. Friends, it is, I mean, it would be absurd for us to hate somebody to the extent that we wish the person to go to hell. No. For God so loved the world that he died, he sent his only son to die for us. So, friends, there is nothing like an enemy that we wish to go to, have, uh, to hell. No. Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees is a lesson for us to love our enemies, to pray for the salvation of our enemies. That is the lesson Jesus is giving us. He had time to interact with them and to educate them and to teach them and to give them the option and the opportunity to receive Jesus, so to speak. That is our task. Jesus, I mean, God was in Christ Jesus. Romans, we are told, Romans, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 makes, us very makes it very clear to us that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself. 
when we were enemies, Jesus came to reconcile us to God. That should be our mission. That should be our assignment to preach Jesus to everyone, including our so-called enemies, our perceived enemies and our real enemies. Friends, we pray that God will open our eyes to see the relevance and the importance of salvation so much that we will reach out to everyone. We will reach out to everyone. And that is why in the first reading, St. Paul challenges us when he writes to Philemon. Philemon chapter 1, verse 7 to 20. I am so delighted and comforted to know of your love. They tell me, brother, how you have put new hearts into the saints. Philemon was a brother who was full of life and gave life to the people he was ministering to. That is our calling in our churches, in our communities, wherever we find ourselves. We must encourage people and let them feel the presence of God. Let them experience the love of God. Let them experience the kingdom of God through us. Let them experience the presence of God through us. Let them experience the peace and the joy and the righteousness of God through us. That is what Philemon did in his community. And that is what we are called to do. St. Paul was proud of Philemon. Dear friends in Christ, what role do you play in your church? What role do you play in your church? What role do you play in your church? I ask again. Do you play a significant role or a role in church that promotes the growth of other Christians? That promotes the growth and development of the church or your parish? It is time for us to step up, to step out and be like Philemon. To bring joy and peace into the kingdom of God to the hearts of fellow Christians. St. Paul writes and continues. Now, although in Christ I can have no difference between, I can have no difference about telling you to do whatever is your duty, I am appealing to your love instead, reminding you that this is Paul writing, an old man now, and what is more, still a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for a child of mine whose father I became while wearing these chains. Friends, St. Paul became a father to Onesimus, we will see it, Onesimus, and also a father to Philemon. Friends, so there is nothing wrong, we have heard those comments, people say that Reverend Fathers, nobody should call, Jesus said, nobody should call um, any human person the, uh, the father. But here in this text, St. Paul is referring to himself as the father of Philemon and the father of Onesimus. What Jesus made reference to when he said, call no man father, has to do with salvation, calling a human being on earth, your father, in reference to him as your God. And that is not what we do, obviously, as a church. So there is nothing wrong calling your biological father your father or your spiritual father father, as long as that person doesn't take the place of God. St. Paul refers himself as a father to Philemon and to Onesimus. And indeed, the Christian community, he was a father to them in the spiritual sense. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, St. Paul continues, I am sending him back to you, and with him I could say a part of my own self. I should have liked to keep him with me. He could have been a substitute for you. You see, Philemon was so useful to 
to St. Paul. And Onesimus was so useful to St. Paul that he said, I should have liked to keep him with me. St. Paul was not tired of the presence of Onesimus. Friends, there are some of us in the church, some of us in, the, in, our, in our societies and groups. People are tired of us because of our attitude. Let us check our attitude. And let us check our attitude. And may we rather influence people positively. And may people belonging to keep us in our societies and in our groups. And not be eager to drive us away because of our attitude. We pray that we will be like Onesimus and Philemon. Affecting positively our societies and groups and the parish at large. St. Paul goes on. However, I did not want to do anything without your consent. It would have been forcing your act of kindness, which should be spontaneous. I know you have been deprived of, deprived of Onesimus for a time, but it was only so that you could have him back forever, not as a slave anymore, but something much better than a slave, a dear brother. In other words, the absence of Onesimus in the community for some time made him a better person. He left as a slave and is returning no more as a slave, so to speak. So friends, as the days go by in our walk with Christ, in our Christian journey, we are supposed to be be become better and better, from glory to glory, more, of, more like Christ day in and out. We should reflect more of Christ day in and out, so that people day in and out, as they meet us and encounter us, they will experience more the love of God through us. They will experience more the kingdom of God, the presence of God in our lives. So it goes on, St. Paul goes on, if all that we have in common means anything to you, if all that we have in common means anything to you, welcome him as you would me. Friends, we have something in common as Christians. By the blood of Jesus Christ, God bought all of us. We belong to Christ and we have something common. So there should be no enmity between us as Christians. Let us love one another. Let us journey together as brothers and sisters in Christ, seeking the will of God, namely the salvation of every soul. In the name of Jesus, we pray that God will help us to be like St. Paul, to be like Onesimus, and to be like Philemon. Because he writes and concludes, Well then, brother, I am counting on you in the Lord. Put new hearts into me in Christ Jesus. In other words, make those among you rejoice. Make those among you encounter the joy, the love, and the peace of Christ. That should be our prayer also, and that should be the effort, effort we make day in and out. That people will encounter us and encounter the kingdom of God. In other words, they will encounter us and experience the presence of God, the joy of the Lord, the peace of the Lord in our hearts and in our lives. We pray for this grace in this Mass, for a better understanding of God's kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God, which is the reign of God, the presence of God, and the rule of God in our lives and in our hearts. And once we experience this, we don't need to tell anybody and nobody needs to tell us. We will know in our hearts that indeed Jesus is in our hearts. Indeed, the kingdom of God is within us, the peace and the joy of Christ. And that is the mind of God for you and I. God wants us to experience his peace and his joy. And friends, through prayer, through meditation on the word of God, through spending time with God, friends, we will experience the kingdom of God in our midst and in our lives. God bless you. God bless you. Remain blessed in the name of Jesus Christ.